0: Welcome to Parenting That Kid. My name is Ashley Tolliver. As a mom of twins, one being a highly sensitive child who responds to the world in a non-traditional and sometimes challenging way, I understand the desire to find the golden answer. Maybe there is no golden answer, but there are resources, tips, and tricks we can all use to help us make this uniquely normal parenting journey a little more fun. This podcast is a roadmap to Parenting That Kid for myself and other parents. If recording my journey as I seek a clear starting point, community, and effort to normalize what sometimes feels abnormal supports at least one parent, then my time is not wasted. And hey, if it doesn't, well, there's documented proof that moms deserve a glass of wine. Cheers! On today's episode of Parenting That Kid, I get to speak with Colleen Wildhouse, a mother of a 13-year-old girl suffering from severe anxiety and OCD, and the author of the blog Goodbye Anxiety, Hello Joy. I chose Colleen to come onto my podcast because I really feel that no matter what your child might be diagnosed with, anxiety can go hand in hand, and there's just something about anxiety that we as parents need to know. In her blog, Colleen shares with readers the journey her family takes to enjoy the small moments of each day, keeping the beast of anxiety from taking away the joy. In addition to being a mother and a writer, Colleen is a former elementary teacher who holds two master's degrees in education and a bachelor's degree in psychology. She draws from her expertise as an educator to coach parents and teachers in ways to make school successful for children with anxiety. I had so much fun interviewing Colleen because I found myself shaking my head, yes, yes, us too. And I think it's so important for parents of that kid to find somebody else who can say, me too, I'm there with you, I hear you, I feel you, and we can do this together. So please welcome Colleen Wildhouse. All right. So thank you, Colleen, for joining me today. I just kind of gave a rundown of who you are in more technical terms, but do you mind sharing in your own words who you are and what you do and why you do? Because that's so important to know.
1: Not at all. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to share this with other families as a resource that I would have greatly appreciated back when we started on this journey. So I, uh, like you mentioned, I have a daughter. Um, She just turned 14 a week ago, which is mind blowing to me. I also have uh, an 11 year old son. And, um, you know, when I first got married, my husband, I just couldn't wait to have children. I've always wanted to be a mother. It's sort of of what I wanted to be when I grew up for lack of a better job. But um, I was also a teacher and loved that. But when my daughter was born, I thought it'd be a piece of cake. Parenting was going to be so easy for me uh, because I was, a, at the time, a teacher. I had 25 full-day kindergartners with no help, and I loved what I did. And so I thought, well, one child can't be that challenging. And <laughs> yeah, I shake my head and laugh right now because I was so naive to what parenting was. But first couple years years um, was truly, I would have to say, blissful. I was one of those parents. I loved being pregnant. My daughter was so so easy. Life just went on and I never really saw the struggles that many parents talked about. And then she turned five and um, basically the ground was pulled out from under us. She uh, woke up one day. I thought she was going to be sick. She was acting that way. Um, She was not going to be sick and she started going in panic mode. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. this anxiety just came out of nowhere. And um, so as somebody who definitely has anxiety myself, needless to say that was spiked and I was panicking and what's wrong with my child. And, um, sort of from that moment on, which was about seven and a half years ago, almost to the day, um, we've had these ups and downs in this journey and, you know, she would get better for a while and then something would trigger it. And, you know, we were getting these band-aids and this lack of advice. And, um, I mean, I could go on with the things I was told where it was just teach her how to breathe. And I'm thinking my child won't wear a shirt out of the house. Because the feeling on her neck makes her think she 's going to be sick, and so she started doing these rituals uh, to try and keep herself from that and i 'm thinking belly breathing is not what we need right now, <laughs> and you know I would go to a doctor and they 'd say, "Oh no, this is typical and you know i 'm thinking back on my my training as an educator, I have a lot of child development classes, and I thought, "Oh this isn't real typical, and it starts making you question yourself as a parent that maybe maybe this is your fault, maybe you 're just being crazy, maybe mm-hmm. everybody else is right, and you 're wrong and um, you know, I battled that for a real long time of like, I knew in my gut, something was not, I hate to say it quote unquote, right or normal mm-hmm. about my child, but I wasn't getting any help on on what this was. I was getting blown off every corner that I turned. Um, so I started seeking help and I feel like, well, I knew this wasn't correct. I knew this was more than just a typical, you know, separation anxiety. She'd cry the entire day that she was at school, not just during drop off. Um, you know, she wouldn't leave the house. She wouldn't eat certain foods because something could happen to her. And this would go on for a period of time. And it seemed to, I don't even know how to describe it, work itself out. And she would kind of go back to her normal outgoing self. And then something would happen. It would trigger it again. And so this went on for a couple of years and, uh, I had, you know, would go see a therapist and they'd tell me, well, just throw her in the car and make her go to school. If she's wearing her pajamas, who cares? Oh. And I, you know, would think to myself, that doesn't seem quite right because she's hurting and she's, you know, anxious and scared. I don't know how that would help, but maybe they're right. I just never could bring myself to do it, but then I was questioning myself constantly. Um, and when I would call, for example, we were in Colorado, Colorado Children's Hospital, I'd put her on the wait list to have her evaluated, but it was about a 12 month wait at that time. Um, and so we just continued to go back and forth on this for years and years and years. And I would get help and it would be a band aid. And so about a year and a half ago, we did find a counselor who really changed our life and sort of pulled everything together and helped us understand what anxiety really is, what OCD looks like, and and how to to treat it through cognitive behavior therapy, um, and the role that parents play in helping support their child. And so, I at that point decided to start a blog because I felt like I couldn't be the only parent going through that. And if I had known what I know now seven and a half years ago, I can't even imagine how much better and healthier our entire family's life would be. So, so my mission behind this is really to just provide a resource that I think I desperately needed. Mm. And I have found over the course of this, about nine months, I've been doing my blog, how amazing it feels for other people to, to hear they're not alone or their child's not crazy. Cause that's what you genuinely feel as a parent. Um, so I just have this passion from experience and trying to turn something negative into a positive and helping other people out there.
0: Wow. That's so, I love it. That is exactly kind of, um, that's my background with this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not the only one out there like this. And I know yeah. that there are more people that are saying me too. And how do I find out and what does that look like? And where do I go? And there are other mamas that are wanting um, the help that hopefully We can provide just through our experience and our research and our knowledge. I love the word you used. You used Band-Aid. I think that is so important to say because um, we do find Band-Aids. We find temporary fixes for whatever might be happening in that situation in that moment. But that's Mm -hmm. not the underlying issue. And if you can't focus on that underlying issue, it just keeps bubbling up again. And it's bigger and larger as the kid gets bigger and larger, of course. That's Um,
1: exactly right.
0: What's one thing you wish you had known at the beginning of your journey that maybe would have helped not have as many band-aids, but have more answers for you, um, just that you know now as an experienced mama of a child that you've gone through years of this with?
1: Yeah, I thought about this for a long time, and I really think there's two key points to hear. The first one is, throughout our entire journey, nobody ever sat me down, or in, in, in the case of my husband and I, depending if we were together during the therapy program, which we were a lot, um, but I did, as a mom, take on a lot of that responsibility while he worked, but told us the role that we play in our daughters, not just her anxiety, but also her treatment. Um, Like he's the Band-Aid, we were were taught, for lack of a better word, of how to fix her, I guess is what we were originally told, and it turns out you you can't fix your child. Your job is to support them, and and, and there were so many um, situations, where my husband and I thought we were doing the right thing by, you know, helping her avoid situations where Mm. she was distressed or reassuring her or coddling her or babying her, all these things that I think I knew as a parent, you're really not supposed to do that. But when you see your child suffering, you want them to be happy. And I feel like that's the, that's the goal of a parent. You just want your kid to not feel pain and to be hurting and no matter what the cause of that is. And so I had no idea that doing all of these things for her that with the best of intentions was actually contributing (laughs) to her anxiety. It was reinforcing to her, Oh, I should be scared of this. I can't handle this. You know, I need my mom for this. And so, um, you know, if there's one thing I could tell parents is that you have to be willing to, to get help, not just for your child, but for your entire family, take a good, hard look at yourself because it's nothing against you. But you can do things in a different way and and sometimes, honestly, in a better way um, that might go against what you originally thought of your parenting style or what parenting would be like, but trusting that it's actually the best thing for your child. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So that would be the first part of it. I think the second part would just be to understand that anxiety is very real. It's very scary. Um, It's very intense, but it's not what you see portrayed necessarily in characters or in books. Um, And that when you think your child has this intense anxiety, not to allow those around you to tell you you're the helicopter parent or that you need to just chill out or your kid is fine. And to really trust your gut from the beginning because you know your child better than anybody and they only have you to advocate for them. So you have to trust yourself.
0: That's such good advice. Yes, absolutely. Um, So then at the beginning of all of this, as your child started to show things, signs, do you mind sharing? It might be personal, but do you mind sharing exactly what it was that she was showing? I know there's a lot of people who say they have anxiety and maybe they're just unclear of what anxiety, how it can present itself. Mm
1: -hmm. So I think the one thing about anxiety that's tricky is it presents itself in so many different ways Um, you know, children are so unique that how one child presents anxiety may not be the same way that another child presents anxiety. And even along those lines, your child can present anxiety in one situation in one way, but actually not show it in another situation. So it can be tricky to really identify where the anxiety is. I think the key to it, and I will go into some examples, but when you're trying to sort of evaluate your child and think to yourself, was this anxiety as severe as when it becomes debilitating in their everyday life? Because anxiety isn't a bad thing to have for any of us. It helps keeps us safe. Mm. Um, it helps lead to some knowledge and experiences. You know, I mean, there's most children are going to have moments where maybe they're scared of the thunder, they're scared of the flushing toilet, yeah. they're you know scared of the dark, and so sometimes parents, oh, they have anxiety. Those are simple childhood fears that over a short amount of time. They can work through it. The storm has passed. All of a sudden, the anxiety is gone. Mm -hmm. So intense anxiety is when you start avoiding all situations. You your kid is clinging to you at all times. Maybe it's even in the house. I know for my child, I couldn't actually leave her side even in the house. If I was taking a shower, I mean, she she honestly wanted to be in the shower with me, but she would sit on the toilet outside the shower. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. as a seven year old, actually as an eleven year old. Those signs would show that's not typical behaviors. Um, it wasn't just you know when I was leaving her with a stranger, for example, or dropping her off at school or with a babysitter. This was clinging to me twenty four seven. You know, even in sleeping, she wasn't sleeping by herself. Um, it's crying and fidgeting nearly all of the time, no matter where we were or what we were doing. Her hands were sort of in that fidgety, wringing a blanket sort of motion. Mm. Um, she would be crying. She would be saying she was scared. Um, the the constant what ifs, not just directed at one thing, but you know, what if this happens? What if this happens? Will you be there? So it's an overarching sense of dread that they feel nearly all of their waking hours, as opposed to one particular situation, if you're just scared of storms. And I'm not downplaying that because it can be overwhelming for a family if their child's always worried about storms. And so that is an issue. But I think an anxiety disorder is when it is debilitating in your everyday life, and it's in all aspects of your life. Um, so the clinginess, the what ifs, the crying, and I, I try and base it on if you have friends, coworkers, cousins, and you have children of a, of a similar age, when your child is very atypical in their behaviors, comparatively speaking, and somebody's gonna argue with me saying you should never compare children, but it's <laughs> that general population of, are most children comfortable you know, sitting in the bedroom while their parents were in the bathroom. Are more ch- most children comfortable going out on the soccer field and kicking the ball around um, mm-hmm. as opposed to crying on the sidelines? And just getting a feel for where you see your child and what their everyday life is, is like with these symptoms. Okay.
0: That's really clear. Thank you. That gives me an idea. I think it is healthy, like you said, to have moments of anxiety. It does give us boundaries and um, really, we learn a lot about ourselves, and it's very healthy mm-hmm. and normal to have moments. But to have it debilitating for your life is a whole another ball game <laughs> to say the Correct. least. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I also feel um, that little that children who have some sort of diagnosis or maybe n- non-diagnosed but definitely struggles, anxiety seems to go along with that. Uh,
1: Absolutely.
0: I feel like a lot of parents will say, "Well, my kid has," and they'll name some diagnosis, and then they also have anxiety. And I'm always curious if the anxiety builds up and intensifies because of whatever they might have, or is what they have from the anxiety. I mean, that might be a never-ending question, but it's constantly yeah. in my head.
1: <laughs> it's it's like one of those which came first. The chicken yeah, and the egg. And I wanted <laughs> that myself too, and I thought a lot about that. So when you have anxiety, actually, when you have Two illnesses of any kind—they're called comorbid illnesses—and mm-hmm. so anxiety is often a comorbid illness, for lack of a better word. When you are talking about a child who's autistic, learning disability, sensory processing disorder, yeah. uh, dyslexia, and um, I can speak from from my experience as a parent, and then I'll touch on that as a teacher. Um, for my child, I still think anxiety came first, and mm-hmm. um, what I have learned is is children are predisposed for a certain temperament. Mm -hmm. And so there are going to be children who are more anxious and more fearful, and some, given the way that they're, you know, raised in a more resilient environment, depending on their parenting, you know, those types of things, their anxiety, even if they're predisposed, may never really show itself, whereas other children, depending on what's happening in their life, it's sort of like it's triggered and starts coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think for us, the anxiety was there but then you start having other things. At third grade, she was diagnosed with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And so I started seeing how school became an even bigger trigger for her anxiety when she wasn't keeping up with her peers. So in that case, if she didn't have dyslexia, would the anxiety have subsided at that point? And did the anxiety, or did, did the dyslexia trigger it? You know, you never are really going to know what that. And I, I think from a teacher perspective, I've taught students, you know, along the autism spectrum or some learning disabilities and physical disabilities. And as they start aging and finding themselves struggling to keep up with their peers or that feeling different or not being able to participate, you know, social anxiety creeps in. You know, children with ADHD, they, they try so hard to stay on task and focus and they realize they're falling behind. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so frustrated themselves, they begin to, get, begin to get anxious. And so in those situations, it's so difficult to tell which comes first, but regardless, anxiety can be treated, you know, in different ways. Even with autism and sensory processing disorders, um, as as part of the treatment plan, whether it's a combined treatment plan or it's separated, it still needs treated because it can continue to grow and spiral out of control, mm. with or without those other illnesses.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's I, I too, I am in in third grade had the same experience that you're talking about with your daughter it just triggered all that memory mm-hmm. i was diagnosed with dyslexia and i was highly anxiety high anxiety my mother gosh i probably stayed home more days than i actually went to school mm-hmm. <laughs> and would scream and yeah. cry and not want to leave her side and um yeah and i was blessed to have a teacher that recognized that and worked through with us and as an adult it's you know i've managed to find tools that work for me but it's interesting that the two can go hand in hand and um that you don't know which came first—did one trigger the right. other? We'll never know. It's so hard;
1: you'll never know. And you know, you could feel for those children. I think, you know, educating schools is a key to success mm-hmm. for children with anxiety, because without that, you know, the anxiety becomes so powerful, you can't actually help a child with dyslexia if, like you said, they're not attending school or they're in such a state of anxiety. There's not going to be learning taking place anyway, so it becomes this overpowering um, problem and you can't focus on the, on the, the ways to actually help lower the anxiety because they're in such a state of anxiety that learning is not happening. Regardless. Yeah. So yeah. thankfully you had an amazing teacher and that's wonderful to hear.
0: Yeah, I did. Um, so what stumbles or roadblocks did you have when you first started focusing on anxiety with your child? I know that when something is newly diagnosed or brought to our attention, it seems overwhelming. And then mm-hmm. where do you start? What do you do? Um, do you have any that you might go, whoa, that was a little bit of a hiccup in our journey?
1: Yeah, I mean for me the hiccup really started with the fact that I couldn't actually find help.
0: Um, mm-hmm. you know,
1: I was able to say to myself, I know this isn't quite right, um, but I wasn't really able to find a medical professional. And by medical professional I mean whether it was a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a therapist, a counselor, I was really looking for anybody um to help me because I kept I knew something was off. And so my stumbling was really just, please help me. But I was continually dismissed. And mm-hmm. so that was the very, very beginning when she was young. And I think, you know, age has a, plays a plays a role in that. Because when she was five, I think people still saw her as that, you know, little girl. This could be a phase. It could be separation anxiety. Right. And I'm not faulting that necessarily. But I think as a parent, I knew it was more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding help. And then as she got older and you know, I was able to finally start finding some resources for, the wait list was extremely long. So, you know, I, I find that, I don't think this is unique to anxiety, sadly. It's very difficult to get help for your child when there's not enough quality care out there. And then you add to that the cost of quality care. Um, that was, I would say, a roadblock that we plowed through, but has had consequences on us ever since, um, you know, we found a program for her at Children's Hospital Uh, when she was eight years old, that we knew we had to give a try, had to try out because of the uh, success it had. And um, it cost $23,000. And our insurance did not cover it at that Mm. time. Um, That was prior to Obamacare. And so she was independently insured. And we did it. And we, you know, have been paying that off for a really long time. (laughs) But, you know, that shouldn't be a deciding factor. There's a lot of families that would say, I can't do that. Um, And so that's a huge roadblock if you can't get help for your child. And we're Mm -hmm. still experiencing that to this day, the financial aspect with this counselor. We found she's been life changing and that's what we've been waiting for all these years and and does not take insurance. And so we Mm -hmm. have actually sold our home and are living in a rental condo um, to pay for the therapy that's working for her. And I know that a lot of families cannot do that or are not willing to, and that's understandable. But I look at what this therapist has done for for our entire family and for my daughter's health, and I can't not give that to my child. So it's it's unfortunate that finances and lack of quality care are, you know, this this roadblock for many families. And I will add to that another huge roadblock, at least in the anxiety world. I'm not sure in other um, learning differences, but trying to get professional educators, uh, principals, even school counselors and mental health therapists at times. To, to truly have a grasp of what anxiety looks like in the classroom and how they can help has been a never-ending battle for us because uh, when a child with anxiety is showing signs of that, they look defiant, they look disrespectful, they don't do their work, and so schools want to punish that behavior hmm. to try and get the correct behavior. And it's been really challenging to to get schools to see anxiety for what it actually is rather than just poor behavior.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh. That is a challenge that one person can't take on. Right. <laughs> it's so big. And I think the financial thing, I hear that a lot from moms is and that it's just so expensive and it's so hard to find. Insurance doesn't cover. You know, I went back to work in January to cover um, my son's therapy because it was insurance just kind of laughed at us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that. so sad. Yeah. So what advice would you give a parent with a child who is newly diagnosed with anxiety or possibly not even diagnosed yet, but they're starting to show signs and And these parents are wandering around. What do I do next?
1: Absolutely. The first thing I would tell you is take a deep breath. Hmm. Um, Anxiety is extremely treatable with the right treatment. And I'll I'll touch on the right treatment in a moment. But it, it is the most treatable of any mental illness. And the skills that you can learn early on can serve an entire lifetime of success. So when you're in that panic mode, just having your anxiety flare up, it really is important to take a step back and take a deep breath and realize that your child has the ability to be okay. Um, And from that point on, it's really spending your time putting the hard work in the beginning to find the right therapist. And the right therapist is somebody who is willing to work with your entire family, not just your child, because it is a family uh, problem, a family illness. 65% of children who have anxiety have anxious parents. So Hmm. having that knowledgeable uh, therapist to really help you as a parent or as parents Um, come together with that child because they're going to give you the skills that you'll need and it's a very slow process but typically you see a counselor once a week maybe once every two weeks you are then to take those skills and use them and it's up to you to help your child learn and engage with those skills at home so my very best advice is start finding a counselor who's experienced with a child your age with anxiety at that age who focuses on cognitive behavior therapy. Um, exposure therapy plays a role in that. It's a, it's a subset of cognitive behavior therapy, but you really need cognitive behavior therapy who includes the parents in the sessions and also provides homework to use outside of the um, session. So that's your starting point. You can find information. There's different websites out there. ADAA.org um, has different counselors and therapists listed by area. You can call your insurance company for those who would be accepted by your insurance. Uh, schools usually have a list of providers that they recommend outside of schools. Google everything mm-hmm. you can think of. I found my counselor who actually is a, uh, was working with one of my coworkers' sons for an eating disorder, mm-hmm. which my daughter does not have. I was grasping at straws. I need somebody. And she was raving about how wonderful she was. And to me, I thought, what is there to lose at this point? Um, so I went in, and of course, you know, it was a match made in heaven for us. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for asking around, being open and honest, and never being embarrassed that your child has anxiety. But the more you talk about it, you'll be shocked how many people are in counseling that you would never know. Hmm. But they will offer suggestions, and so um, I think on average it takes about four different counselors before you find the one that's a good fit for you. So just keep trying and put that hard legwork in the beginning, and You know, once you find a good fit and you start getting your feet under you, you will see success. Um, And I want to touch on when you mentioned whether or not it was a diagnosed anxiety disorder. Anxiety can creep up in so many different ways. I think people are hesitant to go to a therapist because it's like, well, my child doesn't have any anxiety disorder. Anything that's causing your child trouble, whether it's emotional regulation, sensory processing, which is more than just a therapist, but these areas, autism, learning differences. A therapist helps your child in a mental way that helps them reframe negative thoughts, helps them see things differently, gives them tools to cope when they're feeling overwhelmed. So it's a lot more than just saying, well, my child has anxiety. It's it's putting that whole mental package together that helps them really just become a better, a better person because they can handle the challenges that life
0: throws at them. Mm, that's beautifully well put. You're right. It is a Thank whole you. package. <laughs> it is. Um, and I, I'm a firm believer in therapy. In fact, both my parents are trained therapists. And <laughs> my dad's still Yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, so, it's
1: been life-changing, yes. Yeah, I, I
0: think it really is. And I think um, mm-hmm. I've seen relationships succeed because of therapy and relationships. Yep. Fail, so I'm a firm believer. And I think it's great for children. Oh, my goodness. Just my children being in occupational therapy has changed yep. things. What other resources do you have that have helped you along this journey? or maybe not just you, but have helped your daughter, things that she's fallen into that she really likes?
1: Yeah, I started when I was um, in the very beginning hunting for somebody to help me, and I couldn't find an actual body or person to help me. I turned to Amazon, Mm -hmm. and uh, one of the books that I have found, um, there is a therapist by the name of Lynn Lyons, um, that's L-Y-O-N-S, and she has a book out called Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents, And that was a real eye-opener for me. So I highly encourage any parents um, with children with anxiety to uh, reference that book. I think the best knowledge I've ever gained has just been through being open and honest and communicating with others, whether that's a Facebook group you decide to join, whether it's a parent support group that you find in your community, whether it's talking to your neighbor who has a child with needs. Um, being able to express your circumstances with somebody who gets it and understands it can be this amazing burden off your shoulders, but you're also able to freely express your concerns, your worries, your needs, and have somebody offer that back to you. It doesn't mean that they're giving you the answer, but it gives you a starting place to, you know, I never thought of that. You know, I never thought of occupational therapy. I didn't understand emotional intelligence, but just being able to talk Gives you information that you can go back and start learning more about and asking questions about. And when you meet with a therapist or a medical professional, you have some of this underlying knowledge to ask questions as they then pertain
0: to your child. Okay. I like that. And I think you touched on a really good point just talking. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. talking. It's huge. (laughs) It's so big. And there's somebody else who's going to go, Oh my goodness, me too. Yep. You have the secret bond now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Are they? Actually, Oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead, please.
1: I was actually going to add to that when you, you know, you were mentioning about also helping a child along the journey of resources. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for children, you know, I think uh, my background as an educator has helped me see this more clearly, I I would imagine, than some parents who, who don't have that education background. But children love to know the truth about what's happening. They love to know facts. So even a child of three years old can begin to understand that that worry they're having even if it's not a disorder, you know, I'm having this worry about the flushing toilet. When you explain to a child what is happening in their brain, and there's just this little signal that's a little bit scared right now, but we're supposed to calm that little fear down unless something really bad is happening. So we can do that by reminding ourselves that this isn't scary and changing that language depending on your child's age, but being factual and truthful with a child really helps them understand what's happening inside of their body as well. So for me, the resource is education to a child.
0: Mm. Mm, That's good. Yeah. Are there any books out there for children to read about anxiety that you, um, your daughter? Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a ton of them. I I unfortunately don't have them right in front of me. I can pull this up.
0: No Um, worries. Yeah. Maybe if you would, wouldn't mind sending me those.
1: Yeah. I would definitely send that to you. And I have one, I have um, two links on my website. But okay. Yeah. You where I have them for younger children and then also some chapter books. And I think that is huge when they can relate to um, characters in a book because mm-hmm. you can, as a parent, you could say, hey, remember when Mr. Grumpy was acting that way? Um, <laughs> it, or, or, you know, a character they have on television. Mm-hmm. I know when my daughter was diagnosed with dyslexia, I pulled up all the famous celebrities that had dyslexia. <laughs> I was like, Steve Jobs had <laughs> dyslexia, Julia, look what he's done. And I think showing children that other people out there in the real world, whether or character they can relate to if they're young are also going through something similar. Uh really normalizes that for them. So I will absolutely send you those links um, because there's some amazing children's literature out there that can help children um, actually into their
0: teens. Oh, good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you have anybody that you follow, maybe podcasters, blogs that you follow? Just as we said, you know, talking to somebody is really comforting to know that somebody else is going through that. But I find that even just reading another mom's story or listening to a podcast, um, it's really confirming. Are there anybody definitely. that you think, oh, this is a great one that somebody should tag along and listen to or be a part of?
1: Y- yes, I have three of them. And so when I started this, there's actually very few blogs out there that are focused just on child anxiety. So hmm. the, the ones that I have found are actually more general and special needs, which I think is wonderful because, like I said, anxiety does um, align itself with many other special needs. And I get slack for this sometimes, but I do think anxiety, when it becomes debilitating, is definitely a special need. We yeah. had to do so many. Uh, changes in our life and help our child and I have I you know had to quit my job years ago and so there's a lot that's happened to me as a parent and I for the longest time didn't consider ourselves that quote-unquote special needs and and now I do and finding other parents that can relate has been really wonderful for me. Uh, one of my favorites is a website called Life with a Side of the Unexpected and the website for that is lifewithasideoftheunexpected.com and it's a mother named Lori who is a mother of a child with autism and also a special education teacher and her site focuses on um, special needs of any type um, how to self-care as a parent how to help others understand it and then a lot of information just on certain specific needs that that children have and how you can help your child or siblings of children with special needs and um, it's very honest but it's also very touching and relatable Mm -hmm. i highly recommend her Um, Another one that I really like, it's a little different, it's through a woman, her name is Dr. Catherine Garforth, and she runs Garforth Education, website for that is garfortheducation.com, and she is an educator who runs a consulting business up in British Columbia, but her website provides so much information about learning disabilities, and once again, there are so many special needs children out there who are then also struggling with things like dyslexia, slow processing, um, mm. and those types of, of learning disabilities that are affecting them in school. And so her resources on there are very informational for parents of how to help their child succeed in school in spite of the learning differences that they have. And so I've used that a lot from a teacher standpoint, but also from a parent standpoint of, of helping schools gain that knowledge of what they can do because that would then in turn alleviate some of the anxiety. Hmm. Um, and the last one I follow is called Raising Lifelong Learners. And that website's raisinglifelonglearners.com. And it's a mother who also has the name Colleen. And hmm. she um ended up, she was a teacher herself, and she has some children who are gifted. And she ended up homeschooling them um, because it was best for her children. But she talks a lot about not just the giftedness, but the anxiety that comes with children who are gifted and how to help that and she's an incredible writer on top of it. So I really, really enjoy reading her posts and whether or not you homeschool or not, she offers some really fun activities to do with your children. She's an author who has some really engaging books uh, along the science um, experiment uh, topic. And so I've enjoyed reading hers and learning just more about uh, how there's another connection between the academics and the anxiety. And she's just an enjoyable person to read as well.
0: Oh, fun. I'm going to be checking some of those out. You, They're really great. That sound great to me. Yeah, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. What is one common myth or a child, um, for a child with anxiety that you would like to debunk? I think that you kind of already touched on that. This is um, a disability, and I say that lightly mm-hmm. because I think people do tread on that word sometimes. Um, they do. But I feel like that is very – I think that's true. It's debilitating <laughs> if your child cannot it's, do life.
1: It's absolutely debilitating. And I think, you know, you one of those things where you're talking about connecting with others, it's so reassuring to connect with somebody else where you can say, This is my life and this is what I've had to do because of it. And they're like, Oh, me too. Not that you're happy to hear that, but that somebody (laughs) understands it because others truly think you're just this crazy helicopter parent. You know, you're making all this up and you're exaggerating, you're dramatic. And, you know, I've really just accepted that now. I'm no longer offended when people say those kind of comments to me because mm-hmm. I know that they can't understand it. Um, and then the other myth is that people often, you know, see my daughter as bratty and manipulative. Mm. So a child with anxiety is just a brat. She's just manipulating, you know, whatever is going on to get how she wants. And there is truth to that, but that's the anxiety manipulated to try to make herself feel better. Right. It's not manipulating it just to be that spoiled little brat who wants to get what they want. And um, sadly, I've had educators say that, I've had other parents say that, and I see it when I see a child out and about now, you know, I don't know necessarily that child's being anxious, but I'm able to say there's a good chance that child's struggling with something rather than jumping to that conclusion of look at that bratty child over there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, understanding that this is real, it is a disability, and that child is not acting that way to get what they want. They're really hurting inside.
0: It's almost a coping mechanism for themselves.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Nice.
0: So, if you could step into my shoes and interview yourself, what is one question you wish to cover that I might have missed? You gave me so much good information here, but I want to give you the chance. Is there something important you want to share?
1: I do want to share that I think any parent listening to this, there's so much negativity in the sense of it's overwhelming and it's scary and it's sad and it's hard to talk to the school and all those things, but there is actually good that can come from being an anxious person. So of course you want to move past the debilitating anxiety and get yourself, you know, get your child treated and help your family. But at the same time, I look at what my daughter's been through. And while I will, of course, wish she hasn't been through this, the fact that she has, has made her an incredibly kind person. Um, She is so accepting of others. She has seen at an early age that life can be challenging, but with hard work, you can overcome it. And I think that's a great skill for a child to have. I also think that anxious people in general have an, a very keen sense of what's happening around them. They're very detail-oriented. They have great empathy towards others. Mm. So even in those moments where you, you, know, you really just need to grasp onto something, I really do think that highly sensitive people and anxious people have a lot to contribute. I know for me as a mother, once again, I, I definitely wish I hadn't Uh, had to have gone through this. I don't know that I would have picked this as my journey, Um, but there's no doubt that I'm a better person because of what I've been through. I no longer carry any judgment towards others. I think it's quick, you know, we're quick to judge often. I realize now that judging gets us nowhere and everybody's dealing with their own struggle. And I'm so incredibly grateful for little moments. Every time that my daughter, I'll probably start crying, opens the door and walks into school, even though she's 14 years old, I am so grateful because for years and years of our life, I had to walk into school and have her pulled off of me. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she can close the door and walk into school, I take immense gratitude in that. And I sit in the parking lot and I bet, I think to myself, I bet no other parent is happy their child closed the door and walked into school. And it sounds silly, but those little moments can be so grateful. So Mm -hmm. um, know that you probably wish this wasn't the journey you were on, but that good and positivity, you know, does prevail in the end and and hopefully you see yourself as a better person as a parent and hopefully your child is is able to see the good and the strengths that came from this
0: yeah you brought a little bit of tears to my eyes there (laughs) it's hard not
1: to cry and I've been saying that like for years but
0: (laughs) it's crazy um okay so where can listeners connect with you online um I'm sure that people have more information or questions for you how can they get a hold of you and where do they go
1: Definitely. So, my website is called Goodbye Anxiety Hello Joy, and the site for that is, is simply goodbyeanxietyhellojoy.com. I also um, am on Facebook um, by the same name. It's a Facebook group. Um, Instagram has the same name as well. Uh, there's also a Facebook group um, helping children with anxiety succeed at school, and that's a closed group for, for parents who really are struggling with their children as, as anxiety relates to school. And then I'm really excited because I have a book that will be published, um, hopefully, fingers crossed, this is a slow process, Um, (laughs) by the end of July, specifically focused on parents and educators and supporting their child with anxiety in the school setting. Um, And so once that comes out, there'll be some principles in there and ways to communicate with me in there. Um,
0: What's the book going to be titled?
1: Well, that's a little hiccup right now. Okay. (laughs) I'm told I should change. But it's, it's going to be along the lines of helping your child succeed at school, and it's a guide. For okay. parents and educators, so and they can find that on, we were having.
0: We can find that on your students. website.
1: Absolutely. So, okay. Um, if you go to my website and subscribe, I send a weekly newsletter out, and that will be included in there as well. Um, so it was supposed to have a certain date, and I guess once again with technology, things don't always go as you're planning. <laughs> so we learn patience. Yeah. But it will be out prior to the beginning of the school year. Okay. Um, and so I know that's a that'll be a huge. Um, support for parents because school is a tricky situation. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: but anytime, send me an email. I'll be happy to connect with you. I have some um, different suggestions for therapists in certain areas of the country based on, you know, readers who have written in um, and I'll do my best to answer. I feel, you know, I'm far from an expert, but I've taken classes um, on child anxiety at this point as an educator. And I have been to a lot of therapists with my daughter, a lot of different programs. So I hope I can at least help you feel less alone and at least maybe gear you know, the direction you need to go at least to get started for your child.
0: Hmm. Okay, and I like this question. Every person um, I interview, I always ask, what do you do, you the parent of that kid, do for self-care? Because this is a lot on your family. You mentioned this is a family thing. Do you, it is. do you have tips? <laughs> I know moms are awful at self-care, but I feel like we need we are to better awful. At it.
1: <laughs> we are awful. And I know we always hear that, put your mask on first. And I always have heard that and I never did it until the therapist <laughs> sat me down and said, if you want your daughter to get better, you need to get better. Yeah. And so um, I have uh, started therapy, not as regular as I like, because it's very expensive. Yeah. I have started therapy for just myself and that's been huge. Writing my blog mm-hmm. has been an immense stress relief for me. Um, be able to share my story and connect with others makes me feel like I'm doing something good with the with the negative that we've had in our life. Um, and honestly, my daughter has recently um, introduced me to Lush bath bombs. And if you haven't <laughs> tried those, I will tell you that taking a bath with a lush bath bomb is quite an indulgence. So I've tried to make my, t- make self make time for myself with a lot la- lush bath bomb. So that's my I make, fun. you know, no affiliate link there. I'm just telling you they're amazing. So moms go get one of those, lock yourself in the bathroom, and put some <laughs> yeah. music on and, lock it up. and just breathe for 15 minutes.
0: Yeah. That's some good advice. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we make our own bath bombs at home because it's fun for a family to do. Um, I should I, try that. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, I do lock myself in the bathroom like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. right. Well, thank you so much, Colleen. That was so good. That's great information. I'm excited to go check out these sites. I'm really excited for your book. That's going to be fun. Thank you.
1: I am too. I can't wait to see this. It feels like it's a never ending, you know, like baby that just never wants to be born. Like it's just never going to (laughs) end, but it's going to be here and I can't wait to share with the world. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to, you know, Put this podcast together and I hope it reaches the people who need it most.
0: Well, thank you so, so much. All right. Have a great rest of your vacation.
1: Thank you. Have a great
0: summer. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to me today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead. Tell me what you like. Have somebody you'd like me to interview and ask those nitty gritty questions to. I'm ready for it. And hey, while you're at it, share this episode with somebody you think might benefit from hearing about it. And guess what, imperfect parent? Parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. You are rocking at this parenting journey. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. This podcast is for you, the parent of that kid. So go ahead, tell me what you liked about this episode. Give me some ideas on what you'd like to hear. Maybe you have somebody you'd like me to ask those nitty-gritty questions to. I'm ready. Oh, and if you have a friend who is also the parent of that kid, click that share button and empower them with some tools and tips as well. And by the way, Imperfect Parent, I know parenting that kid is hella hard, but I'm telling you, it's worth it. You are rocking this parenting journey.